solid court classes since the first location opened in Chicago in 2017. That's also the first time I met Ann Mullen, the founder of SolidCore, at the River North location's opening. Since, I've taken dozens of classes at a few of SolidCore's 86 studios nationwide. In all of those 86 locations across the country, there's an instructor coaching a class to near breathlessness in a dark room with the music blaring. And those instructors are saying the same sentence to a different class in all of those cities. That sentence will never stop sending ice into my veins. That's the end of your core warm-up. In class, you hear that string of words after roughly 10 minutes of moving planks, sawing planks, and ablo-like movement with Solid Core's reformer, or Svetlana, as she's called, working to make everything harder. And the classes are hard, impossible, actually. They're meant to get progressively harder with the leveled up use of spring load, and I have yet to take a single class in which any of the participants didn't take a break. But impossible is the name of the game when your whole thing is to encourage muscle failure. Failure equals success in that room. This is Gina Anderson Cohen, by the way, and you're listening to a Sweat Life's podcast, We Got Goals. And this week, I'm speaking with the woman behind SolidCore, Anne Mollum. And before SolidCore, she started the not-for-profit Back on My Feet. And soon to come, she's heading up her new venture in the fitness space, Ambition. But the one thing I noticed the first time I sat on a lobby bench with Anne is this. She fills up a room with her presence. And the name of that presence is the same name of her coming in 2023 concept, ambition. Ambition is often a word that spat out of the mouths of those talking about women along with competitive or loud. In a Harvard Business Review article that featured the findings from interviews with high-achieving women, ambition was, for these women, associated with egotism, selfishness, self-aggrandizement, or the manipulative use of others for one's own ends. For men, ambition was considered a necessary and desirable part of their lives. Anne Mollum is not shy about her ambition. That is one very indisputable truth about her. She's also not shy about her goals. She shared here on this very podcast a few years ago her goal to have 100 solid core locations open by the end of 2020. We all know what 2020 did to business goals, but if you Google her, you'll find that same goal listed in a litany of publications. And I'll admit, I've written and rewritten this next part quite a few times, but what I wanna say about Anne is this. I get the sense from her that she's growing and learning every day, personally and professionally. She's had challenges. She shares pretty openly about disordered eating that followed her family's split. She was injured severely in a 2019 jet ski accident that led to several surgeries that you'll hear about this week. She was sued by Sebastian Legree, the founder of the Legree Method, uh, and that lawsuit was settled privately. She was also sued by an ex-boyfriend who claimed to be the co-owner of SolidCore. In our interview this week, Anne also mentions what she calls a hit piece by BuzzFeed, which shared interviews from current and former employees, some on the record, some anonymous. Through all of it, though, I get the sense that her ambition is more her blessing than her burden. So why not name your next business that, ambition? With all of that said, I know one thing for sure. She is a human with a singular focus. She has her sights set on a goal, probably two or three goals ahead of what she tells me in this interview, and she absolutely believes in her ability to achieve it. Here I am with Ann Mullen.
Gina Anderson Cohen. I'm here with Ann Mollem, who is the CEO and founder of lots of things. <laughs> right, right now, she's working on something I'm really excited to talk about: ambition. Um, and leading up to this interview, Ann, I I googled your birthday because I was like, I need to know what her astrological sign is for all of this drive and ambition. Mm. Um, but thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And yes, I am a proud Scorpio. I feel like Scorpios get a bad rap, but um, I'm, do I'm doing my best to work against that reputation. Okay, so here's, I think, my takeaway about Scorpios. Scorpios know what they want and aren't afraid to work hard and play the long game to get it. And I feel like that's you. Yeah. Well, even on that note, like every guy I've ever dated, I've always been the one to ask them out. Like I do not shy away from anything that I am interested in. <laughs> I think I think that's going to come up in this conversation. Well, let, let's talk first about ambition. It's new. It's exciting. Um, I I think ambition is a perfect name for your next fitness concept because it's something that describes you and people who work out. You just raised, according to press releases, five million um, yes. to push this concept forward, and you have plans to open in February of twenty three four ish locations on the mm -hmm. way in New York City and Brooklyn? Yeah, so there'll be, there'll be three in Manhattan and, and one in Brooklyn. But yeah, listen, I, I love the health and fitness and wellness space, and I love being an entrepreneur. When people ask me what I do, I, I, I just say that I, I like to build and create things that make people's lives better, happier, and healthier. And yes, I've been running, you know, Solid Core the last, we've been around for almost nine years or so, and I stepped into the exec chair role last year and promoted my COO to CEO and he is just crushing it. And I, you know, I, I, if you would have asked me a year ago, if I would have be starting another fitness concept, I would have said no. Um, but, but you know, this, this February when that rolled around I was just like, gosh, there's such a need in this space for something that is a little more sophisticated, has more of an education on helping people really achieve what they want to achieve through their workouts in a really authentic, supportive community, that it's sort of this one-stop shop where right now, especially in New York and big urban cities, people are running over here for their yoga, over here for their like HIIT workouts, here for their Pilates, here for X. And not only one, it's expensive, it's time-consuming, but having a place where you can get your athletic conditioning, where you can get, you know, your recovery work, where you can get your, um, you know, toning and definition, where you can get a lot of these different sort of modalities that you can sort of decide what path you want to be on based on what your own fitness and wellness goals are. And we're there to help you do that in two different rooms, one heated, one not underneath this very cool, again, authentic brand. I just think that's, it's sort of where the market is going when you had so specialized boutique concepts and then big gyms. And this is sort of right in that sweet spot. The consolidation, one place. Yeah. One, one place. And then on, on top of that, Gina, it's not just the, the, the fitness side of things. Of course, that will be a service that, that we're known for and, and will be the best in class at it. But I'm really excited for the in-person content that we are going to be pushing out. We're going to have a ton of events, speakers, so folks can get educated on all of this like biohacking stuff, how to best optimize your overall wellness in areas like you know fasting. I'm, I'm big into the sobriety, the sobriety thing now. I drank for years and it was just like, why was I doing that? And I think there's a lot of people starting to question that. 
providing that community for folks, you know, eating more plant-based. We just want to bring in experts in these different fields of folks who've been doing it and, and are super educated that can educate our community so they can make the best decisions for themselves. Your energy is like unmatched. I can only imagine what it's like to try to like, get in your way <laughs> when, you're, when you're on a mission. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to. Um, so talk to me about what, uh, what will be the experience, what's the actual workout that consumers can come to expect at Ambition? What are they going to be doing? Is it like anything they've done before with you? Yeah, so it's a lot of body weight stuff. So it'll be, you know, again, we're going to, so one of the concepts I'm really excited about is our athletic inspired yoga. Um, so when I take yoga a lot, I always feel like it's not a workout and that I need to work out afterward and that there's actually not muscle focus in the actual yoga class, you know, one of my, 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 the concepts I take when I'm in LA, you know, it's like, okay, you do two minutes of triceps, then two minutes of biceps and legs. And like, you're just sort of bouncing around and it feels more cardio focused than muscle focus. So Joe Gomez, who is ambitions, head of product and talent, this woman was a real big, like part of solid core in the beginning as well. She really upped our programming and our workouts and, 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 and leveled up uh, all of that for us. And then she went to beach body for a few years. She's an MMA fighter. She's an iron woman. You know, her background of course is in this space. So using again, the foundations of the yoga workout to then help people get to muscle fatigue in this heated room in a space that people feel good is one thing we're excited about. There'll also be a recovery deep stretching workout that's done in that class. And then we have the athletic conditioning as well as the strength class. So Gina, I don't know what your workout history has been, but listen, there's finally, I feel like women are getting the picture of you have to pick up weights. Like cardio is exactly what it sounds. It's for your heart. And you can get cardio doing a lot of different things, walking around the city, whatever. Like I am not a proponent of getting on uh, elliptical machine for 45 minutes. I think it's a little bit of a waste of time, to be honest. When you are lifting weights and doing hip training, that's when you're really going to see, you know, a massive strength building in your body, performance building, seeing aesthetic results as well. So we're just providing different opportunities for that in a way that folks aren't going to get bored and their body is going to get that cross training to see the results that, that most folks are looking for when they're working out. Yeah. I mean, I love to pick up heavy stuff too. So this is right up my alley. Um, this, I I mean, it sounds incredible. I obviously, um, I mean, I feel like I know you a little bit having, um, interviewed you before and seeing you speak at a couple of conferences. So I feel like you're not going to be satisfied with four locations. So we'll see you in Chicago soon. (laughs) (laughs) For 2023, like our goal for, yeah, to get, to get four open for next year. And then we'll look at additional, you know, additional markets, but you know, we, I don't know, again, like, I think there's also an opportunity in the fitness space right now. You know, when you go to these classes and folks are just like, just do what you can. If you need to lay on the mat the whole time, that's fine. There's a space for that. Like, that's not what ambition is going to be about. Like you are going to be pushed to a place that like, we're asking you to level up. Like it, it might get uncomfortable from a conversation standpoint, but we just believe if you're looking for a place that like you you want to be held accountable for what you know you can do instead of giving permission to just if you just need to lay here all day lay here all day like that's not that's not the vibe like we we want you to dig deep we want things to be like you should be highly uncomfortable right now holding the squat with 20 pound weight and like thinking that you want to break and figuring out a way to stay in it and your coach is going to encourage you to do that 
So I, I think that we've gone almost too far on the other end of just letting, not, not pushing people. And that's not my personality. Yeah. You're, you're a pusher. Um, I like, I like that about you. I, I think that's, that's something that comes through in, in the workouts I've done at solid core in the past. I'm excited to see what comes of ambition. And now let's hear from an Asput Life ambassador who loves solid core. I'm Melissa Kay. I'm an Asput Life ambassador and I love solid core because it is like your own little tribe. You're in your own little world. The music is loud. The lights are low. You just listen to the instructor talk you through any exercise that will kick your ass and take names. That's all I got. And now back to the episode. Okay, so before all of this, before Solid Core, before Ambition, uh, I, reading your history, it reads like this, like fire under your ass since like age 16. Would you say that's that's right? I would say that's right. I mean, my mom tells stories like when I was little, like when I was like five years old, you know, and I couldn't reach the counter uh, to get a glass. Like I, she's like, you went and grabbed towels, stacked towels, climbed on top of the towels to climb on top of the cabinet to get a glass. You could have some water. And I'm like, that's very accurate of like, and Mal, I'm going after what she, what she wants. But yeah, I, you know, listen, I know that, and I've had self-doubt as well. I've had imposter syndrome. Right. But at some point you recognize like, if not, if everybody else can, why not me? Like, why am I not capable of this or doing this. And I remember truly feeling that way when I was starting back on my feet, the the nonprofit um, that I was running before Solid Core. And when I was making the decision of if I was going to go all in on this idea and vision I had for that organization, everybody told me it was like silly and like, what, like, how are you going to do this? It doesn't make any sense. Like, this is going to be your job. And, and I was like, yes. And I was I remember looking around the city of Philadelphia, which was where I was at the time, and everything that existed. I'm like, someone ha- someone had to take a risk. Someone had to decide that they were going to do the thing. Why can't it be me? Like, I'm smart enough. I- I'm resourceful enough. I'm passionate enough. I'm hardworking enough. Like, why can't it be me? And I think a lot of people usually do the other side of like, oh, it can't be me. Like that's, that's not possible for me. So if you flip the narrative and flip the script a little bit, it's just like you make your own opportunities for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And before back on my feet, you, you sort of found running as a discipline. You were, um, you ran how many marathons now? I know, um, you ran another one after an accident is 11 or 12. It's, it's 11. And I actually never ran that marathon after the accident that got canceled because of COVID. Oh, COVID. I know. Okay, so let's talk about the accident quickly because we alluded to it. So was it in 2019? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, and things about accidents, you know, I was reflecting off, reflecting about this earlier. Success, right? Like success in our life is so slow and it's the mundane, consistent, predictable things you have to do in order to build it. And then tragedy is like snap of the fingers and it just, everything can change in a way that you have to rebuild so much. And yeah, I was sitting on a jet ski. I had a house in Maryland and I had friends down and um, I had two jet skis and uh, my friend and I decided to go out for uh, a ride. Um, Unfortunately, he had been drinking and I was sitting 
totally still on my jet ski, looking at the sunset, fiddling with something on my jet ski, and he wasn't watching where he was going, and he ran right into me, um, going 30 miles an hour, ran right into my leg. And Gina, like the, the, the thing, so I ran away right into my leg. You know, obviously I flew off my, my jet ski in the water. I'm like, you know, got him up out of the water. I'm like, dude, did, like, I couldn't believe he just like ran into me. And I didn't, I didn't know anything was wrong because I'm swimming. And then I like pull my leg up and, you know, my bone is like sticking out of my, my leg. And it was like, oh my God, you know, go get help. Cause I had other friends at the house. Um, and my jet ski is like sinking because it's totally demolished. Like it was, it was a thing. And so then, yeah, I had to get medevaced. And I remember asking the paramedic when he was lifting me out of the water, I'm like, am I going to lose my leg? And he looked at me and he's like, I don't know. Um, so that was a little, that was a little scary. And just the idea of this is, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. And it was such a privileged thing to say because no one thinks they're going to get in a car accident or their life yeah. is going to change or they did something to deserve you know, this. And I caught myself of like, gosh, why am I saying that? Nobody thinks that that's going to happen. But yeah, it was like four blood transfusions, seven surgeries. You know, I, have a, I now have a rod down the middle of my leg and two pins. And um, yeah, it could, have, it could have been a lot different. Like, I'm really shocked that like, I at least didn't lose my leg, but it's not far-fetched to say that like he could have easily killed me if he just would have been a little bit three inches one way or the other. Oh my God. Um, and okay. So that, first of all, that's insane. And I actually remember when that happened, cause I think it was right before the boutique fitness summit. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I remember you coming there and like honoring your commitment and doing a talk <laughs> right, right after that. Um, and I think you were on a scooter. Is that right? Is that your memory of it? No, it, it, it's, it's not right. Actually. I, I never, I like, yeah, I never, I never made it. I was supposed to speak. That's right. Um, and this was literally in August and I'm like, I'll be fine. Like I can do it. But then in August, which was a few months after my recovery, there was something that was like, something's not right with my leg. Um, I, I just like, it started to be in a lot of pain and I went to the hospital two to two twice and they sent me home and, the thir- and then I broke a massive fever and went back and, it, and my leg had been massively infected and I had to go back in for surgery. And I was supposed to be at the boutique fitness summit like the next day. Um, nope. Yeah. So it, it sucked because I was making so much progress toward my recovery. And then they had to go back into my leg two more times to try to make sure to get all of the infection out. Then I had to be on antibiotics for literally almost a year. Like oh my having God. six pills a day for a year just to ensure this infection didn't didn't come back. Um, but yeah, that was that was tough. But listen, you know, those are the moments when our resilience is built and we're tested. And we 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 talk, I think we it's so easy to talk about these things of focus on what you can't can control and not that you can't. It's not until moments when you are put in that situation where you are truly tested. Everything up to that point is, is always theory-based, right? It's easy to say those things when they're hypotheticals and you don't have to put them into play in your own life. But, you know, I, I did. I was like, okay, I can focus on what I put in my body. How am I going to heal faster? What can I do with my body to keep myself strong? What can I do with my mind? Um, and I, I really stayed fixated on staying po- positive and just moving forward in ways that I could in those, in those times. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, based on what I know about you, it feels like f- fully 
um, reasonable that you took that as an opportunity to find the positive and to find the productive from it too. Um, I, and I'm so glad you're with us and, and sorry you went through that. Yeah, no, no apologies. Like, you know, when you ask anybody about who they are and why they're that way, it, 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 it's those moments, right? It's all the tough stuff that I had to really figure out who I am and what my character is and how I'm going to show up. So that the tough things are, are really, are really important. They, they remind you of your strength and what's important to you because when times are really tough and you know, you have all the excuses in the world to use and you choose not to use them then like that's really powerful. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that actually brings us back to running really nicely because it feels like running, based on what I've read, running kind of became a therapy, like a, a way for you to get out of your head a little bit and find productivity on the streets. Is, is that sort of what it was for you when you started running? Yeah, running. I started running when I was 16 and it was really to deal with the turmoil of happening in my household. Like I had ran for sports, of course, because it was part of conditioning. But when I was 16, you know, my, we found out that my dad had pretty severe gambling problem that ended up gambling away a lot of you know money that my mom didn't they didn't have. My dad was borrowing money from my mom's mother to pay back debts only to get into more debt. You know, it was really sloppy and we didn't have a lot of money to, be, to begin with. And so my dad went through drug and alcohol recovery. He, he was an addict as well in, that, in those departments. Um, so for my mom to, to see this coming to the surface again, you know, like 10 years later after my dad had gotten clean and sober, you know, she was just like, I can't do this again. And, and now it's the money. Like money is my mom's Achilles heel. Like she is a saver. Yeah. She's... She never made a lot of money, but she was really good with it. So to feel like my dad completely violated um, something that was so important to her to put, you know, save money for for our college educations, even though like you know, I think my mom saved like six grand for my college education. It was obviously something, and I'm very grateful for that. But but yeah, and my you know my dad that was a side of my dad that I had never seen before. I didn't know my dad as an addict. I didn't I didn't understand that piece of him. So to see him go through that and watch him choose gambling over our family, you know, was also like a screwed up thing for a kid to witness. Um, so running became my outlet. Like it just made me feel stronger. It made me feel like I just got to keep moving forward. And I like the dopamine release through it. I like the metaphors, the life metaphors that surround the sport of running, about taking things one step at a time and you know, getting up the hills to get to smoother roads. It just made a lot of sense for me. And and I ran, I don't really run that much anymore, to be honest, mainly because it's not as an enjoyable thing with my leg. I do a lot of other sports like beach volleyball and stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, but running served a massive purpose, not only in my personal life, but my my professional career. Yeah. And, and that kind of brought you to founding back on my feet, um, which you started talking about in Philadelphia. Um, you founded that organization with your own money and, and sort of an idea, right? Yeah. I mean, it didn't really take any money in the beginning because one, I didn't have any when I was 27 years old, but that's the thing about running. You really only need a pair of running shoes. And I had been running by this homeless shelter and began to like talk to these guys that were hanging outside there in the morning and it was, it was truly like one of those light bulb moments where I'm like, oh my God, like, why don't I start a running club for these guys? And it just made so much, 
so much sense, you know, in my head. And uh, I had been looking for something for a long time. The last two years of my life, I felt very lost. And I was looking for purpose, fulfillment, something that made it feel like my life is meaningful. And so this idea to help these guys who frankly reminded me a lot of my father, who I never could figure out a way to help in the ways that I wanted to, um, it was sort of like, oh, I get a second chance at this. And so I called up the shelter and was like, I want to start a running club. And it was like, what? Like, that's a stupid idea for all intents and purposes. Like, this isn't going to work. And I just I just continued to badger him without annoying him and convinced him to let me start this running club. And I got shoes donated. I, I got shirts and socks um, and had my first run with this group on July 3rd of 2007. And then just the media was all over it for reasons that make sense, right? It's like, wait, people who are homeless are going out for a run? Like, what? So the media started to write these amazing stories about the members of Back on My Feet, and the community got really invested in helping these guys succeed. And donations started to come in, and I'm like, I I have a vision. I, I see it. I know that we can use running as a way to change these individuals' identity, and they need that more than anything if they're going to get out of this homeless shelter. Like, in my mind, Gina, there was no other way that they were going to make change if they didn't believe that they were both capable and deserving of a different life for themselves. Because imagine being homeless and all the stereotypes that get thrown at you, right? Like, you're worthless. Like, you're a grown, you're a grown man living in a homeless shelter. Like, it's just the most emasculating thing you can probably think of. So we had a lot of rebuilding to do to show these guys that they can be a teammate. They're reliable. They're strong enough. They are ambitious. They're goal setting. Like they're accountable, hardworking. And if we can get them to think of themselves that way, then we can get them employed. Then we can get them like living on their own. So I just, you know, again, other people are like, this is, this is silly. Like this is like sort of this Pollyanna you know, sounds good in theory, Ian, but, you know, is this going to happen? And I just, I just believe they were capable of it. Yeah. And before you founded SolidCore and before you stepped down um, at Back on My Feet, sort of what, what happened there? What was the expansion like? Um, What was it like to grow a not-for-profit? It was really fun. I mean, it was sort of, (laughs) It's, it's funny how you feel so compelled to grow something based off of like, I just, for back on my feet, I'm like, I just want to help as many people as possible. And you, when you think like there are homeless shelters in every major city, there are runners in every major city. So like that component works. Our funding came from individuals, corporations, right? That, that element works. And then it was just a matter of putting the structure in place um, that we were already starting to do in Philadelphia. So every shelter, where we, when we would partner with the shelter, we put a team in place to manage that particular team. There was a team leader. There was someone who kept track of the miles. And so you're like, oh, I can take that, do it over here. Take that, do it over here. So it's it sort of was the first time I realized my talent for like organizational foundation building and seeing the structure that needs to be there in order for it to grow and scale it. So when we would open up in a new city, one of the things, and this is a great piece of advice for folks who are looking to grow something, I never went into like Baltimore, which was our second city. I never said things like, if we can raise enough money, we're going to open this chapter here, right? Because when people hear if, 
they don't really want to know if they want to support you and attach your name to you because they don't want to get on a ship that they're not sure is going to sail. So you have to go in there with such conviction and be like, we are opening this chapter on May 16th. And like, this is what I'm asking for and this is what I need. And when you can make sure pe- that you have this certainty and confidence about what you're doing, people are way more likely, like this is psychology right here. People are way more likely to get on board than if they see or feel that you have any doubt about yourself or your capabilities. I feel like that's also true for fundraising, right? It's, a, it's a, that is exactly what I'm talking about. It's a hundred percent true for anything that you, that you are doing and asking or whatever you have to have conviction in it because people can smell like people smell doubt and they smell like all of those things. And you're, you can't give people any reason not to support you or back you. Yeah. Do you, do you think that conviction and ambition together? I, I think like I find it to be incredible, but do you think it's ever been misunderstood? Like, do you, do you think people maybe like don't understand your drive and ambition in the way that it's channeled towards these incredible feats? I'm, I'm sure, right? I'm sure people are sort of like, where does that come from? Yeah. And I, I'm just really, I'm really honed in on what my life is about. And I know what my talents are. I know where my gifts are. And I know what brings me joy. And it is wrapped up in contribution. So like we were just going over a SolidCore board meeting, right? And our, our you know, our payroll at SolidCore is over $2 million a month. Like I love that this company employs a thousand plus people. I still find so much joy being in the studios and having people come up to me and be like, I just have to tell you that this has completely changed my relationship with my body. Oh my God, I had never been able to work out. I had a massive back injury. SolidCore is the only thing that makes me my back feel better or back on my feet, right? If I see somebody walking down the street in a back on my feet shirt, like how, how impactful it's been in their life. There's just nothing, Gina, that fills me up more than like, I created something that didn't exist before I thought of it that added so much value to people's life. And that's where the drive comes from. Like I I want, like it's such an incredible feeling to build authentic communities to make people's lives happier and healthier. Like it's so fulfilling to me. Yeah. I love that. And I, I, we don't have much time left together. So let's talk about solid core. Um, so you founded it in 2013. Uh, it was not without its challenges, right? So you started in DC and, uh, talk to me about creating the brand and going from one to several studios. Yeah, so we have 86 today. We, we turned nine, nine years old this year, which is great. Um, but it's crazy because COVID, right? I'm like, as an entrepreneur, COVID stripped away my ability to grow. So it was really hard. Like we were supposed to have 100 studios by the end of 2020. And in two and a half years, that's how much COVID like took off of our, our, our goals and ambition. But yeah, one studio. And it's funny, Gina, because people will be like, oh my God, Anne, did you ever think you'd have 86? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Like I think people look sometimes, whether it's at women and just like, how did this happen? I'm like, that was the plan from the very beginning. I frankly went into the for-profit space because I knew that I wanted to scale as big as I possibly could and wanted to find something that would allow me to do that. But yes, I mean, I got evicted from my first studio because the noise was traveling upstairs to the apartments. I was sued by an ex-boyfriend for ownership Mm -hmm. in my company. I was sued by Sebastian Legree, um, whose relationship that we had in the beginning that I wanted to separate from because I didn't, I didn't find like, 
I, I just didn't want to be in business with him and the machines were breaking and I just felt like he was doing some shady things that I didn't want to be a part of. So, you know, I separated and he sued me. Um, obviously COVID, right. There was a, a takedown article written about me. Like, you know, you, you sort of name it. And, um, that's why you have to have enough of a compelling reason to stay in it when it gets hard. And even during COVID, there wasn't an ounce of me that felt like we weren't going to make it through that. I mean, it never was even talked about. I never even allowed myself to think it. It was just, it means too much. And if it means too much, like there's just no way it's that we're not going to figure a way through this. And um, I'm really grateful. I know, tra- I know COVID was full of tragedy for a lot of people. So I'm not grateful for that, but man, the, the leadership, the teamwork, um, lessons that came out of that for myself and my colleagues of navigating through an, a, an ever-changing, very opinionated crisis was an experience that like you couldn't pay for in the best of a business school, right? Like it was really, yeah, really hard, but really meaningful. Yeah. Um, and I should mention that the suit file agree was dismissed, <laughs> um, yeah. And that's great for you because what the hell? We wanted to expand and here we are. You did expand. <laughs> I. It's also really interesting to hear you talk about the goals and expansion too because early articles where you were interviewed, you shared like these big lofty goals too. You were like yeah. 100 studios. I want to employ this many people. So it's not like it, you, you have had this vision since the beginning. You're not just saying that. Um, let's quickly talk about 90 days sober mm-hmm. um, or 90 days alcohol free. Um, yeah. Where did that come from and, and where do you want to see it go? Uh, Gina, I was, you know, like I think a lot of people, alcohol just was permeating so much of my life and I let it. And I thought at some point I would just grow out of it. And I think, you know, earlier this year, I'm like, I'm, I'm 41 years old. Like I have 20 plus years of, of drinking and, and obviously just the reiteration in my brain and memory for all of these moments of when alcohol was permitted, it was like great day, stressful day, long day, bad day, Tuesday, dinner, wedding. I mean, every single moment, right? It's like I let the alcohol industry win and and market to me and convince me that it was sort of okay and part of success and and just sort of living life. Um, and so I did I did this thirty day challenge. Like, okay, I'm gonna do thirty days. You know, the whole like prove it to ourselves that we don't need alcohol 30 day challenge thing. So I did that, but I got serious and I read a lot of, I read a lot of materials during that time, specifically quit like a woman by Holly Whitaker, which is an amazing book. And after 30 days, I tried to like go back to be like, okay, now I'm going to like just drink a little bit here and there. And it wasn't working. Like I, I found my, like there wasn't enough time away from alcohol. My brain easily reverted back to like my old habits and so I'm like, I, I need more time. And so I said, I'm not drinking through the end of the year. And this was in June to rewire my hippocampus, which is where our memory lives. My memory needs to have all of these moments, all of these vacations, all of these everything without, without alcohol. And what I had found is that the 90 day mark was it actually used to be 60 days sober. And then after my 90 days, I was like, it's a game changer. You need 90 days of activities, of events, of life. And the mistake that people make, Gina, is like they do this 30-day sober in January, and then they hibernate, and then they stay at home, and they isolate, and that so they associate sobriety with, like, being isolated no and not having any fun. And, and it's like, of course, of course you want to go back to drinking after that. 
So our whole pitch is like, you need 90 days because you can't hide from the world for 90 days. And, and that will be enough time for you to either change your relationship with alcohol and that you can go and drink, you know, one or two and it's very different now. Or like you decide that like there's no place for alcohol in your life at all. I love that. I, I haven't had a drink since July. Um, so I, I feel Great like job. it's, yeah, it, it is. It does rewire your brain a bit. So, and in the name of time, I know I could talk to you forever. I have a million questions for you, but I know we're short on time, long on conversation. Anything else you want to share before we get out of here? No, just, you know, I, I'm a big believer in solid core. If you haven't tried it, go try it. It's like any, it's unlike any workout that, that you haven't done. And same with the 90 days alcohol free. It's a rolling basis. You can sign up on 90 day or amalum.com. Um, all of this stuff is there. If you're curious about your relationship with alcohol, you know, just come and join and check out our community and people can just find me, you know, on Instagram at, at amalum as well. And I really appreciate you creating this platform and, and having me on it to, uh, to, yeah, discuss some of these topics. Thank you, Anne. Thanks, Gina. This has been another episode of We Got Goals and a SweatLife.com production and another thing that's better with friends. Thanks to Ann Mollum for joining me and another big thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing, Ryan Baryuga for video production, and you, our listeners, for subscribing wherever you get your podcasts.